morning all. Good morning. Lovely to see you. All those folks in Zoom. Thanks for zooming in. Good to fellowship together, isn't it? Uh, don't let the home atmosphere disturb you or detract you from the presence of God. God can meet you just as easily at home as he can here. Amen. Let's just pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for your graciousness, Lord. Thank the Holy Spirit, Lord, that you lead and guide us into all truth. Thank you, Lord, for the things you bring to remembrance, Lord. Strengthen us, Lord. Enable us, Lord, to withstand temptations. That's this morning, Lord, as we gather around your word, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would quicken us. Quicken our understanding, Lord. As Jesus said, give us ears to hear, Lord. And hearts open, Lord, to respond in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, I announced last week that we're starting to study the First Corinthians, the church in First Corinthians as a model a developing church and uh, the things that they come across and, and they tackle and went through. And uh, he gave an excellent background to the opening. And we're continuing on this morning, chapter 1, reading from verse 10. First Corinthians Chapter 1, verse 10. Sorry. I'm better. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Amen. Verse 10. Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. For it has been declared unto me of you, my brethren, by them which are of the house of Claude, that there are contentions among you. Now this I say that every one of you saith, I'm of Paul, I'm of Apollos, I'm of Cephas, Dime of Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you but Crispus and Goyas. Lest any should say that I had baptized in my own name. And I baptized also the household of Stephanus, besides I know not whether I baptized another. But Christ did not send me not to baptize but to preach the gospel, not with the wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. And that's the portion we finished with this morning. So we ask you, Heavenly Father, that you'd open our eyes and our ears to your work. Before I start, when you ask you something, do you have a favourite colour? What's your favourite colour, Nancy? Blue. Blue. What's yours on? <laughs> Wait, there you are. The nice is blue, Alice White. They have different prefaces. But that doesn't stop the fellowship. It's possible they have different prefaces. 
and fellowship together. Our preferences need not divide us. As you might give that wee principle in your head at the moment. As I say, Graham gave us the background to uh, Paul's ministry, which started the cut in Corinth. You read that in Acts 18. And uh, the culture in Corinth, you know, is pretty <laughs> as ungodly as our days. Corinth was uh, known for its uh, pagan worship, its idolatry, its sexual perverseness, its uh, prostitute temples, and so on. In fact, you know, the word Corinthianized was used as a slang word for sexual perversion. Just the same way we would use uh, the word vandal for people that destroy stuff, you know. So that was the environment which Paul and his king came to minister. And as his practice was, he began in the synagogue. He always went to the synagogue and he preached Christ to them. Christ is the Messiah that was promised. And as usual, you know, the gospel always divides. You know, those who hear and receive, <laughs> and those who reject. And now, on every occasion, he ended up getting flung out of the synagogue. And Corinth was no difference. You know, there was those who believed them and those who reacted. And as he left the synagogue, and half a number of the Jews came with him. You know, so the Corinthian congregation was made up of these Jews out of the synagogue, the Alexandrians, or the freed men, it says, who were free slaves. And slaves had managed to buy their freedom. Uh, social climbers, you get up the ladder a wee bit, and we're getting on. And there was a couple of uh, wealthy people in it, and a number of them baptized in the Holy Spirit and exercising the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Not necessarily always wisely, so Paul has to teach us later on in Corinthians how the gifts should be used. So that's the background of the church, you know? And Paul writes this letter after being away for 18 months. The minister there for 18 months when he's found in the church, and then they had to move on. And 18 months later, it's amazing how things can slip, isn't it? How easy we move from our foundations, you know. Tossed about wherever wind or doctrine comes our way, the latest pads, you know. So Paul was concerned about what was happening here. He says, I've heard some disturbing rumors. Well, let me read a wee bit, read it to you from the message. Gives it a wee bit clearer for you. Listen. I have serious concerns to bring up with you, my friends. Using the authority of Jesus or Master. I'll put it as urgently as I can. You must get along with each other. You must learn to be considerate of one another, cultivating a life in common. I bring this up because some of you from close family brought some disturbing report to my attention that you're fighting among yourselves. I'll tell you exactly what I was told. You're picking sides, going around saying, I am Paul's side. I'm for Apollos, or Peter is my man, or I am in the Messiah group. I ask you, has the Messiah been chopped up into little pieces so we can each have a, a, a relic of our own? Was Paul crucified for you? Was a single one of you baptized in Paul's name? I'm not involved in any of that. I'm sure glad I wasn't. 
At least no one can go around saying he was baptised in my name. Come to think of it, I also baptised Stephanus. And that's by the way. God didn't send me out to collect a following for myself, but to preach the message of what he has done, collecting a following for him. And he didn't send me to do it with a lot of fancy rhetoric of my own, lest the powerful action at the centre, Christ on the cross, should be trivialised into mere words. The problem here is that uh, Paul was dealing with us. First of all, Paul's aim was to get a church, a body together. <laughs> he said, I want you to, in the name of Jesus. That was his appeal. And that's the only appeal you have to a Christian. Now, if we have an argument about the meaning of a word, we get the Bible, the, the dictionary, the Webster's dictionary, or something, that's what it means, settles the argument, or should do. When we have a dispute about the Bible, you know, of anything or controversial, we say, well, what does the Bible say? That's the plumb line. That's the plumb line. Your word, if I had my heart, that I might not sin against you. Your word is a lamp to my feet and the light to my path. That's the word. So Paul's idea, aim is to get them to come together in one mind. I want you to speak the same things. Be a one mind under one head. It's a body. Jesus is the head, and the head should control the body. Let there be no division among you. You just strive for unity. You know, if you've got to strive for unity, sometimes you mean just biting your tongue and letting the reds be red and the whites be white. Strive for unity is more important. That's right. Be perfectly joined together in one body. Now how can a body under the same head become so divided and split with wranglings and factions? <laughs> well, the reason is we take our eyes off Jesus. We take our eyes off the ball. The basis of a fellowship is a revelation of Jesus. <laughs> I was a sinner, Jesus saved me. <laughs> you were a sinner, Jesus saved me. Isn't that wonderful? <laughs> we have a saviour. We have a hope. We're going in the same direction. Our fellowship is on the basis of our experience of Jesus, our common experience of forgiveness and salvation. That doesn't alter. No matter what controversy comes your way, you know, you can always think, well, what's God going to do? You know, that doesn't alter the fact that I'm saved. <laughs> doesn't alter the fact that I'm forgiven. <laughs> doesn't alter the fact that I'm forgiven. So it's not really relevant. You just, I can sit on the bunker of the back of my salvation is secure. The big problem in Corinth was leader preferences or personality cult. I get a lot of that today, you know. Who's your favourite on the YouTube? <laughs> Who's your favourite? <laughs> you know, these mega preachers, you know, they're all local pastors, you've got to compete with them all the way. <laughs> personality cults. Well, what? no wonder, look at the calibre of the leaders they had. Paul, who was the founder of the work, you know, we nursed them, <laughs> we taught them. <laughs> Don't you always have a preference or a reverence for those who led you to the Lord? 
don't know there's a special place in your heart. Well, you never forget them, do you? And you're grateful for them. I remember when I went to an uncle's funeral in a chapel. And I was quite surprised, you know, they were singing the same choruses. And they're reading the same scriptures. And I felt able to enter in completely. And I came away from that thinking, well, if I get saved there, you need to convince me to come out. That's a thing going there. And that's what it's like, is we get saved and think, well, that is where I am. <laughs> and nothing's going to move me except God. If I found God there, there can't be too much wrong with it. And that's your experience, isn't it? So they had this company that were Paul's people. And then it was Apollos. <laughs> he was a very well-educated man, a very polished speaker, you know. I mean, I, I mean, I really get when these people come with nice voices. I says, Lord, can I not have been born and <laughs> eaten? <laughs> a very, and she's a very well-versed <laughs> in the Old Testament. So he had a following. And then there was Peter Cephas, you know, the apostle who'd been with Jesus in the flesh. Not difficult to find why these men were admired. But we need to be aware of men who want their own disciples. We have to disciple people to stand on their own feet and be mature in Christ, not to be dependent on us. Acts 20, verse 30 says, Paul warned them, Out of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things, to draw away disciples after themselves. We're not building empires for ourselves. We're not looking for followings for ourselves. Eh? Bible leaders are servants, not bosses. There's no indication that these leaders had any such spirit or that they themselves were a fall. I'm sure Apollos and Peter had exactly the same sentiments as Paul. We are mere men. It's Christ who died for you. So how do we avoid personal preferences becoming major issues? Causing fashions. Verse 13, Paul reminds us, is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? It's Christ who is the head over all. My sheep hear my voice and follow me. So the remedy is to keep yourself focused on Jesus. Abide in him. That word abide means continue in him. <coughs> Excuse me. Jesus says, abide in me. For you cannot bear fruit of yourself. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love. Abide in the truth. The truth will set you free. Abide in my word, he says. And you can ask what you will. It's all to do with our relationship with Jesus. Our walk with him. And that was follow the Lord closely. 
The Lord says, let every servant be responsible to his own master. Sometimes you get annoyed about the behaviour of our Christ. He shouldn't be acting like he's a Christian. Well, remember Jesus is his master. <laughs> and if Jesus is putting up with him, then so can I. Jesus is the author and finisher of your faith. Now, if you're a being Jesus, and I'm a being Jesus, <laughs> we must be following the same direction. We must be listening to the same sat now. So maybe, maybe we know that one if you have not got off the direction. <laughs> Please do you turn. When I was a young Christian, I was exposed to a multi-dominational team. Like I say, I worked on a Tuesday, a Saturday night I was out with this team in the open air. And uh, was worked there for 25 years. There was uh, Presbyterians, Baptists, Pentecostals, Salvation Army, and Brethren all in the team. So I was not, sh had no shortage of zealous mentors <laughs> pulling me, <laughs> telling me what the truth was. And there was an old Irish lady, Miss McEwen, a lovely old Irish lady, who spent all her days in giving out tracks down the air and on the beach and so on. She ran a bus load from her house scheme in Houselwood, the Billy Graham means. She was just an old saint. And she says to me, Son, just remain evangelical and you'll be all right. <laughs> and other words, just stick to the gospel. And that's what Paul's saying here. Don't forget your foundation. Don't forget what it's all about. Don't forget the basics. Don't get tied up with things. It's Jesus who paid for your sin. It was Jesus who died on the cross for you. It's Jesus who redeems you. And he said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. So base your life in his teachings. If my word abides in you, you are my disciples indeed. Now I want to tell you, Jesus is not the lowest denominator. We go in as a team, I said this next team, we used to pray, have a prayer meeting, we break bread together and evangelize every weekend. And despite our diversity, <laughs> we're wonderful fellowship. Because yeah. Jesus was the basis of a fellowship. But it's not the lowest denominator. And everyone else is doesn't really matter. It's Jesus at a high level. You see, everybody had any divisions. Fence, little fences and walls. When a flood comes and it comes above the fence line, <laughs> there's nothing but water on plate. It's not a case of loading our stanzas to Jesus. It's a case of rising our stanzas to Jesus. Love one another. No. How can you love me if you don't see if you don't love him if you don't see? So do everything in love. The words of Jesus are very high standing there. In disputes and difference, you need to raise the issue up to Jesus' level. Who's the greatest? The servant. Turn the other cheek. Oh, this is 21. 
This is more than loving. Turn on the cheek. Love the brethren. Love your enemy. The way of the cross is contrary to the spirit of the world. Can't have a foot in both camps. Take the issues off the personalities. In business, we used to say, take the problem off the nose and put it on the wall. Don't look at the personality. Look at the issue and the word. There were always tensions in the early church. The early church, you had the distribution of the food and the, the Hebrews and the Hellens, the Greeks. When it's, we're being neglected and the church had to reorganize and appoint seven men full of the Holy Ghost to solve it. There was a dispute between Paul and Barnabas. I'm not taking Mark. He let us down. <laughs> Give him a second chance. And the contention goes out of the split, went their own ways. Constantly in every church that Paul founded, there was a con the conflict between the Judean Christians and the new Gentile converts. This contention of the Jews said, well, we still need to keep the law of Moses, we still need to be circumcised. And the freedom of Christ. Conflict. The conflict was not new, it's how we deal with it. Church history was no different. Constant divisions. With Calvinism and Arminianism. Once saved, always saved. <laughs> Danger of backsliding. Issue of central government or local government. Issues of styles of worship. <laughs> All of which simply serve to polarize the church and divide it. Jesus says, a kingdom divided will not stand. The basic command of Jesus is to love the Lord your God with all your heart and your neighbor as yourself. By this we know the love of God, says James, that you love the brethren and love one another. This is Pentecost Sunday. One of the biggest divisions in the church today, across the nations, is the work of the Holy Spirit. People ask questions like, are you a spirit-filled believer? Have you been baptized in the Holy Ghost? Do you speak in tongues? Questions that many ask in order to put you in a camp. Categorize you. <laughs> Put a label on you. Friends, that's not the issue. I know many who say, yes, I've been baptized in the Holy Spirit and I've got this and that. And sometimes their lives just don't exude it. There are also many who walk in a poor dimension. It leaves you in awe. We and your beginnings are fortunate. We have no divisions in leadership. We've got an excellent leader. We just love them. All of them. No power struggles. No cliques. And we have an abundance of love for one another. 
Anne and I have just been overwhelmed by the, the love of the folks here. So let's not allow the Holy Spirit to become a matter of division among us. Do you have the Holy Spirit? Yes, you do. You're born again of the Spirit. You call him Lord by the Spirit. It's the Spirit who comforts you. It's the Spirit who leads you. It's the Spirit who convicts you. As a child of God, you're led by the Spirit. So you can say amen. But let me ask you, are you satisfied? Do you think you could have more of God? Or do you think God could have more of you? When Jesus says, greater what shall you do? When the Great Commission says, go and preach the gospel, heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons. Do we simply say, not me. Let's be open for the Lord to teach us. We the fullness of the Holy Spirit. There's plenty of scripture to challenge the believers. Let me tell you the Bible talks about the Holy Spirit. It's talking to believers. Tarry until you receive the promise. Paul meets 12 disciples from Ephesus. Have you received the Holy Spirit since you believe? Philip preached the gospel in Samaria and it says that they received the word with joy and were saved and were baptized. And the church said, Feel the joy. He laid hands on them to receive the Holy Spirit. The seven men who served the tables had to be made full of the Holy Spirit. Choose out from yourself men of the Holy Spirit. When we look for our leaders and our officers and our workers in the church, do we look for the Holy Spirit? <laughs> or do we look for the professional abilities? The number of churches that have accountants for the treasurer, <laughs> businessmen for the chairman. You're not prompted by the Spirit. The apostles were filled with the Holy Spirit for the second time in Acts 4. How the Pentecost in Acts 4 worked and beaten. They come out and they say, oh Lord, we thank you for being found worthy to be suffered from you. Now, oh Lord, would you just give us boldness <laughs> that we might proclaim your word, that you might perform your miracles. This is the Spirit fell upon them again. On occasions it says, New Testament, the Holy Spirit came upon Paul and he acted. One occasion he's preaching, he looked upon a man and says, I see that you have the faith to be healed. <laughs> How much more will your Father give the Holy Spirit? Can I ask? God says, I change not. Jesus is the same yesterday and forever. The Holy Spirit is one with the Trinity. They change. 
Do we have any justification to say that he no longer works as he did before? He has withdrawn. On this Pentecost of Sunday, won't you join with me in seeking a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit? Then says, be you filled with the Holy Spirit. And the Greek text says, be you being filled. As Jesus says, take up your cross daily and follow me. Your commitment to Jesus is only fresh as your commitment today. This man will save 60 or 40 years. Take up your cross today and follow me. In the same manner, be ye filled afresh. Be ye filled afresh. Yesterday's manner is dried up. Today, harden not your heart, but hear his voice. Let's pray. Father, we give you thanks for all that we enjoy of your goodness, your grace, your mercy, your love, your provision. We have absolutely no dissatisfaction with you or what we have in Christ. But we do lament of our weakness and ineffectual witness in the world and in our community. And as for that dynamic of the spirit, they work throughout the acts. Every time men moved in the spirit, men were in awe and worshiped you, Lord. And we thank Lord that you would come among us in power and in the demonstration of your spirit. We pray, Heavenly Father, Lord, that you would soften any hardened position we've taken. Just as you dropped down the sheep before Peter said, the rise and he said, no, no, I don't eat that sort of thing. And you to teach him. You to teach him. <laughs> that which is of you. Lord, we invite you this morning yourself you have been evil now we're going to be good how much more you ask the father to give you the holy spirit lord would you come this morning and anoint your people for a fresh pentecost a fresh quickening a quickening of love for the lost a quickening of boldness to witness a quickening of your direction and leading in the name of Jesus.